Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Western Focus podcast. I'm your host, Steven Meister, and alongside me is my constant co-host, Cobalt. We are now heading into the most meaningful matches of the Swiss stage at Worlds 2023, where every single match is a best of three to decide who advances into the quarterfinals and who gets sent back home. Cobalt, how have you been enjoying the start of this World Swiss stage so far? I think it's been delivering pretty well for... Uh, all things considered. Yeah, I have to agree with you that generally speaking, it's it's been some great League of Legends we've been watching, you know, kind of what you would expect seeing as these are the best teams in the world fighting for that big championship at the end of the year. But all things considered, I think that it has been a little bit underwhelming just in the sense that everything's kind of been going exactly as we'd expect where you know we have the swiss format now for the first time ever it's supposed to be built in a way that would encourage some potential upsets here and there but we haven't really seen that as of yet and that's that applies to kind of both sides of the coin here where at the top of the brackets we've got jdg and Gen G through the quarters they both went through with a perfect 3-0 record and you know as the number one seeds from the two best regions and the lck and the lpl they on paper really should be going through even if it wouldn't have been on the first part of this bracket it probably would have happened regardless so yeah i mean you're gonna expect the top seeds to to go through you know like even regardless of the format Exactly, exactly. So it, it happened, and, and that's to expectations. And then on the other side, we've got TL and BDS, again, eliminated 0-3 with the opposite of a perfect record. And this time, it's the two bottom teams from the two weakest major regions. So again, playing towards expectations with the caveat that I'll throw in that I think it should be Matt instead of BDS, but to their credit, they won that game. It was a matchup there that we saw at Worlds, and, and they are in their spot to keep going. So... You just hate med lines, man. Get over it. I do. I'm a hater. And hopefully the roster changes for next year so I can support that team again because it's been frustrating. Well, and I, I will also say that one thing that you, you missed is that there will be a guaranteed Western team going into the quarterfinals as a result of that NRG G2 matchup. Now, most likely it probably will be G2, right? You know, I think a lot of people probably had G2 going through regardless, but now it's guaranteed. It is confirmed. There will be a European or a North American team in the quarterfinals. So that'll be something to look forward to for us here on this podcast. At least we will have something to cover relevant to what we do here at Western Focus. And that's exciting. At least that. That's exciting. Shout out to the ref, man. You know, he had a weak start to the the draws, but he really started scaling up towards the late game. And now he's pulling through some bangers. Yep. The, this draw for uh, the upcoming matches that we know about now is definitely exciting. A lot of the inter-regional matchups, a lot of China, Korea, NA, and EU. We will kind of have to be on our guard, though, for that last day of the 2-2 matchups, right? You know, if, if things kind of go one-sided, we might end up seeing, you know, some China versus China or, you know, some EU versus EU, NA versus NA, what have you. But we're definitely going to be having an exciting moment here to see these this kind of first, like, major round of back-to-back games games of elimination and promotion into the quarterfinal stages. So I want to start off uh, our podcast here now that we're kind of going to get into the thick of it with the teams that have been eliminated so far. As you mentioned before, Cobalt, it was TL, the LCS third seed, and then BDS, the LEC fourth seed, are the first two teams eliminated from the Swiss stages of the tournament. I'll get it started with Team Liquid and when I talked about Team Liquid in the introductory, or I shouldn't say the introductory, but rather the, the comeback podcast uh, episode that we did last week, TL 
did not really get any you know super big praise from me i didn't have any real expectations for them going into this event you know i talked about you know yes there is some individual talent there you know with guys like summit and pioshik and core jj but obviously they're not at their peaks anymore if they were at their peaks as players they would still be you know in korea probably even if they were on you know some worse teams in korea like some it was on sandbox for a while um, you know they would still be you know having a job probably somewhere there uh, if they were still in, in the prime of their careers I do want to give credit to Pioshik though because he did have a couple of really solid games over Worlds here. That first game against T1, um, he was very solid at, at the early game and was like a real strong focal point for the team. As well as um, the Kindred game against Gam, he did pop off in, um, but obviously TL ended up losing the series to Gam 2-1 and they are the first team out of the Swiss stage. Very, very disappointing, even though I did say I didn't expect them to advance into the quarterfinal rounds. Losing the ways that they did were very, very rough because they played such a strong early game against T1. They actually made T1 work to win that game. They had to find some good fights. It was a strong showing by a few of their players throughout the game. And just to see them lose that game while it was, you know, probably expected, you know, you're not going to you know, bet money even if TL does get, you know, a decent, you know, state of the game for them to win against T1. You know, you were hoping that maybe we could at least see, you know, this kind of strong performance going in against some of the other teams throughout the tournament. And then if that's the case, then you're looking at a strong showing from Team Liquid. But what ended up happening is they get stomped by NRG. They quickly find their way down into the uh, 0-2 bracket there against GAM. And they, they lost two games to one. They had that strong second game in between uh, the losses in games one and three. But my goodness, those losses in one and three were stomps. Kiaya and Levi played amazing for GAM. And they just completely took over the game. Kati and Slater had their moments. You know, Pallet had some good, you know, follow-ups. But it was really Kiaya who did end up winning the player of the series i would have given it to him as well if i had you know a, a a vote in that race on the broadcast kiaya was phenomenal and they just made tl look like a not good team and to some extent they are but i didn't think they were you know not good enough of a team uh, to take care of gam so you know prop major props to gam finding uh, an upset and now they're, they're gonna have to be a team that's taken seriously as they continue to advance on into the swiss stages but very depressing for tl to go out that way specifically not surprised that they didn't make it out but losing in a in a decisive 2-1 to gam is a bit disappointing for me yeah and i i think i share a lot of the same sentiment here where you know in that series against gam I did end up predicting them both in that specific matchup as well as in our last podcast episode, mentioning that probably GAM had a chance against either TL or MAD as the two teams that I would expect them to maybe beat. And, you know, kind of poetic that in the end that GAM was the team that ends up eliminating them from the whole tournament. So kind of crazy, but also not fully unexpected. But I do think that kind of as Steve mentioned here, they do deserve the credit where in the T1 game at least, they they showed a good performance and, and overperformed even, I'd say, over what the expectations were. Though I will say... Yeah, that definitely became an outlier for that first game against T1 with how they performed throughout the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, it, it was their best game, which is ironic enough. But I think I will highlight at least something that I think has gone a little bit overlooked, not to kind of beat on a dead horse here, but I think that that series, or that game rather, was not quite as big as some people might have you think where you know they they had 
those good picks in the early game and Pioshek was playing really well getting active and even in that fight at Baron where there where they won and started picking it picking things up if you really tr- keep track of things none of those picks were ever really translating into b- objectives I'd say where yes they ended up getting both heralds that game but they didn't get a single dragon and then despite the heralds they got they ended up still losing the plate battle where by the time plates fell they only got four while t1 had seven kind of isn't what you would expect and then you know they they do end up getting that 500 gold lead off that big fight later at the baron pit and slowly stably build it up to 2000 um eventually but before that despite these picks they were actually behind on gold which is crazy so in the end all of it kind of amounted to nothing they unfortunately did get 5-0 swept at 35 minutes roughly and instantly lost the game from there so i think it, it is good to see them play that well, but at the same time, they were kind of not the greatest team overall. And then going into the second team that was eliminated, uh, we will be having, as I mentioned, BDS, the LEC fourth seed, going out to DK uh, in that 0-2 matchup as well. Very, very unlucky for, for BDS to get that matchup against uh, D-plus Kia. Whoever got them was was obviously going to be losing. I mean, if the series was a complete stomp. BDS never really stood a chance, unfortunately. We got to see Adam pick Olaf for one last time, though, so that was fun. But other than that, that series was obviously not going to go in BDS's way. It was a great showing for them to make it out of, you know, obviously play-ins and have a shot of at least fighting their way through the Swiss stage. But they never really were able to find any footing. Teams started respecting, you know, Adam and banning out the Darius and the Olaf and the Garen sometimes, but always the Darius was banned. And BDS just looks like such a completely different team without Adam on those picks. Um, they just never really uh, had a realistic shot. And then, like I said, you know, obviously D-plus is the nail in the coffin for them in the O2 matchup. But a lot of credit to BDS. They had a strong, you know, LEC season when no one expected them to be anything. To make it this far is such an achievement in and of itself. Albeit, obviously, once you get there, you always want more. And it just wasn't in the cards for BDS. Yeah, I'm happy you mentioned that even in the LEC, they overperformed, where if you think back to our very first couple episodes of the Western Focus podcast, I had them power ranked as 10th in the whole league. So to see them even make it to Worlds and then win that 3-0 against Golden Guardians to make it to the official world stage, play through play-ins, make it all the way to Swiss, they, they really delivered more than anyone would have expected or even hoped out of them. So I think huge credit is due. I would agree on that front. And, you know, at the end of the day, as the EU fourth seed, I think that their job was to hopefully get out of that play-in stage. And they did. They, it was a little hard in that, obviously, PSG series. They had to pull off the reverse sweep, but they did it. They accomplished what the expectation was. And then, obviously, the draws into both JDG and Damwon Kia here were really sad. Probably wasn't much of a world in which they win those both kind of stomps on all fronts. And my only gripe with them again i'm gonna harp on this some more is that i had them as the de facto third seed of eu mad was the de facto fourth seed in my opinion and of course the ref had to just do it drew the mad vs bds game mad wins and and they just made fun of me for that so credit to mad they proved their right to be the, the eu third seed but i will hold strong that they'll lose every other game they've got weibo up next and they're gonna lose that too so oh yeah and, and that's not something to overlook right like bds had the had their own fates in their hands in that game to either not to not go down zero and two and find a win they had you know a team that they've played a lot against before but it was a beautifully played game by matt Alyoya, especially in the early game just completely took shea 
Elioia out of it. It was a 4v5 for that entire game with how strong Elioia was and how much Shea was just completely nullified in those first like six, seven minutes of the game. So BDS had that opportunity. They couldn't quite make it happen. And yes, Matt is 100% out to spite you, Blue. Yeah, I mean, my cope angle here is that BDS and a BO3 or a BO5 might have won, but, you know, I'm really reaching here, so <laughs> Matt earned it, they beat him, and, and here we are where we are. And I am going to go back to TL really quickly here, because they did kind of have a similar storyline with BDS. I don't think people quite ex expected TL to start as bad as they did, finishing like 8th in the LCS Spring Split, but there was this kind of feeling around the team that this is probably going to be a Summer Split team when they really come together and they implement that kind of all Korean aspect of the team that they were doing. They were going to be speaking in Korean. They were going to have a very rough and rigid practice and scrim schedule like the Eastern teams would. So they did kind of come together just enough in summer, but obviously not as good as they were probably hoping to be. They never made it to the finals in LCS for this year. So, you know, still the fact that they did make it to Worlds was a nice resemblance of their improvement from spring to summer and then summer making it into the world stage. But not being able to find... Uh, a win is definitely not what they were expecting and I kind of again you know they had they had their chance you know games a team that you would think in theory TL has a good shot of beating you know they're I liked what you said though like obviously if there was a world where GAM would come out and win a series it would have been against TL it would have been against BDS uh, most likely and you know TL came up just short not what they were hoping for uh, but still you know a little bit of a nice story they were at least able to come together to get here and it's going to be interesting what they do going into next season. Yeah, and I mean, one final kind of bow on the knot here to wrap up their year is huge, huge credit to APA. Like this guy, we, we've said it before, but I, I do need to say it again, that he's had less than a whole split with this team, came in towards the latter half of even that final split, and he comes to Worlds and kind of holds his own against Faker in lane, which, you know, it, the other games weren't as good, but... I think. Yeah, we're not going to talk about the other games. That, that that game against Faker, though, oh, man. No, they didn't happen. Yeah, he held his he held his own in lane, and, and that was about it, but good job, APA. Seriously, that, that, like, that, that's, that's not nothing, you know, being able to do that as a rookie coming in and, and... What a game. You know, holding your own against Faker is impressive. Agreed. All right, so those are the 0-3 teams. So long, TL. So long, BDS. Enjoy your flights back home. And now we will be diving into the 3-0 teams who have made it out, JDG and G. I don't think anyone's really surprised that those teams went 3-0. The number one seed out of China, JDG, number one seed out of Korea, G. They played... For the most part, it was just pretty dominant League of Legends. There's no there's no two ways about it. They took care of business, they are not messing around, and they definitely look like the top two teams to be the favorites to win it all this year. Yeah, fully agreed on that front too, where JDG, I had them as my pick in my pickums as the undefeated team. Yep, we had to pick well. who would go 3-0 and I picked them. It was always going to happen. I don't think anybody really, even in BO1s, I don't think anybody really could hold a candle to them. It's just kind of funny that LNG was their last stop on that road where LNG was always kind of going to be fated to be one game short. They did it multiple times domestically, and now they did it at Worlds 2 in that BO3 format. And I think big credit does need to go to LNG if I can do a little sidebar here, where for 16 minutes in that game 2, where they ended up winning, like there were no kills. LNG just slowly built their gold, built up a small advantage. In plates, JDG took zero, LNG took most of top and mid. In CS, mid and bot were literally even at 150 and 154. Top had a 30 lead. And then objectives, LNG took two drakes, both heralds gets that one kill on the first on the second herald rather to to secure first blood but then you know jdg despite that 
they still have a two for three fight in mid at 19 minutes despite having 2k gold deficit there and then kind of keep themselves in that game and it was only at that fourth drake where they kind of had to flip it that LNG outfought them, secured that win. But JDG here, they were a, a huge powerhouse in all the games they played so far. They showed why they're kind of the favorites here to complete that golden road. And they really are in their spot. It's it's without a doubt, at least for this team. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's not there's not a whole lot to say, like I said before. It's just been super dominating, impressive stuff, as you would expect from both of these teams, the top seeds out of their regions. The one fun thing about like this kind of this uh, story coming out of China is that, you know, JDG is obviously the clear favorite. LNG is widely viewed as, you know, a, a top favorite dark horse pick for many people to win it all. Well, but when you look at the matchups in China, as you mentioned, you know, LNG obviously came up one game short in their best of three here against JDG. They came up one game short against the best of five in the finals of the LPL Summer Split this year. There was some, I believe it was on Twitter and maybe it even got mentioned on the broadcast. I saw that for, for LNG, they haven't won against JDG in like the last I believe two years in in the LPL and then BLG has yet to win a series against JDG at all either so like even though both teams have had you know some close games LNG more so especially recently it's it's just always been coming up JDG like no matter what these teams are able to throw at them JDG is just outclassing them in every single aspect and that's why I really am hoping that we do get to see kind of you know if there is a, a world where JDG and Genji get to play each other in the finals that be very entertaining you know it's going to be something different you know L I think LNG would be able to pull it through at some point right like I'm an LNG fan you know I've liked the the team for a few years mainly because when I started following you know like China and Korea um I'm, I'm, I'm a simple man if I like the logo if I like the color scheme and you're a decent team you know there's a there's a good shot on being a fan of you guys and it's been so fun watching LNG uh you know continue to grow and find you know new talent coming in bringing in big guys like Scout and Gala and then Zika in the top lane as well. Like LNG does have it in them to take down JDG, but until until they actually can, you can you can't like realistically bet on them doing it because it just hasn't happened yet. So I am excited to hopefully see a JDG Genji matchup at some point because that's going to be the series I'm definitely going to be interested in the most. Unsurprisingly, I'd say, but still. I like that you mentioned the logo there for LNG. I sense a little bit of Cloud Nine bias here. Like, is it a coincidence that both those logos are blue? It's I'm I'm a sucker for blue, man. I'm a sucker for blue. Like not 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 you. Like you're you're a cool guy and all. You know, no offense, but like the the, the color blue is great. Sky blue, deep blue, navy blue. Just like it all looks great. The C9 logo is fantastic. The LNG logo. It's got like is it like a Pegasus or like some sort of horse? I think it's a Pegasus because I think it has wings and it's got like those little kind of accents of red in it. It's beautiful, man. I love the LNG logo so much. Yeah, I think that that logo might actually be like a dragon or something oh, okay. like that is my interpretation of it, but some kind of mythical beast. I, I would agree with you on that one, so... But on the flip side here, I think that LNG very much could have been in an alternate world where that referee draws a little differently. I think LNG could have been a 3-0 team. But alas, since they had to face JDG, it wasn't meant to be. And instead, we got Gen G. And I think it is worth mentioning there that despite kind of the bracket, the problem for me with Gen G is that they haven't really been tested that hard yet. Like if you really think about their road to get here, in the first round, they draw GAM probably the weakest team at the tournament, though TL might have proved otherwise later on. Then they get T1, which, you know, probably not an easy opponent, but 
they have plenty of experience domestically. This is a team they've studied and played against before, and they did get a 3-0 against them in, in the finals, and they beat them in the previous finals and the previous finals. So a team that they're very well-versed against facing. And then in that final stage, they had to play against G2, which out of that pool of three teams they could have drawn was probably the easiest, let's be honest. I'm a G2 fan, it was their easiest matchup. And in that course, they entirely dodged the LPL, which I think a lot of people would say is probably the strongest region. So it, it is worth mentioning there that despite their earning a spot, I'm not entirely sure it would have been the same if the bracket turned a little differently. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, and I mean, you look at C9, you know, and it's like they, they beat Mad... They got Mad Lions early, you know, so they go 1-0, and but then they got to face LNG, and then they got to face T1, and now they're chilling 1-2, and and they'll have a, an interesting matchup against Fnatic, at least. They did get lucky in that draw. But that that is one of the, you know, drawbacks of Swiss, or at least the way that Riot is doing Swiss, is that they're just making it complete random so like anything can happen there was there was a world where something like this happens you know where an na team or eu team other than other than g2 because i think g2 probably you know could have been expected to go 2-1 regardless uh, depending on you know the matchups they got they took their way with uh dk and weibo for example but you know it that that was something that could have happened where an an na team or an eu team sneaks up in there into the 2-1 and then they're way out of their depth going against you know lng or uh t1 you know stuff like that so that's just kind of the drawback of the of the the way that riot's formatting the tournament i think obviously you know we kind of beat this to a dead horse already but also like you know the the intra-regional games were a big problem on on day two of the tournament so there's definitely ways for them to kind of iron it out and uh make it better but it's kind of cool because you know now there is a a guaranteed western team i don't think anyone's going to give nrg any credit going into g2 and i i definitely am not like nrg is not as good as g2 but you know who knows the fact that they got there means that you know they did find a way in and anything can happen once you're there that's like the beauty of like sports and stuff like that is once you're there who knows what's actually going to happen like yes you know it could easily go the way that it's expected to just like you know dk bds did you know dk somehow stumbled found their way 0-2 but they took care of the opponent they easily should have taken care of right in bds we'll see how you know things go because there's also on the other side of that same token you know maybe dk's form is just actually terrible and then bds you know finds some sort of magical drafts with the gods picks or whatever and then maybe you know crowny just has an insane game and is able to carry or, or nuke finds you know some sort of super crazy like Surima shuffle or whatever and they find out and they find the series win right you never know until it actually happens you know even despite the odds b- being put against you so we have to watch the series we'll have to see what happens but I think obviously G2 will be the favorites for NRG. And as a C9 fan, I am not happy about the way that that draw went, but nonetheless. Anyways, back to the LNG logo. So I looked it up, right? And I went to their, uh, what is this, the, the LOL fandom website. And it says that their mascot in the team's logo is a Shilin, a mysterious beast in Chinese mythology, which may also be a reference to the team owner's name. And then you can click on the little link for the Shilin, and it says it's a chimeric, a chimerical creature, so kind of like a chimera. So that's the logo for LNG, what everyone was waiting to hear about. And I mean, it, it's a great logo. The blue and the red look really nice together. Normally, blue and red don't, you know, you don't think that they're that great together, more like blue and orange. But the logo looks great. So anyways, there you go. There's the LNG logo out of the way. We got the lore here on the Western Focus podcast. So now I think I think after all of that uh, sidetrack and talk, uh, one final congratulations to JDG and Gen G going on uh, into the quarterfinals as the 3-0 teams. Not, a, not unexpected 
but you know that's how it's going to be sometimes you know that just because there's a cool format change doesn't always mean there's going to be some crazy upsets and we found uh, the two favorites for the tournament moving on uh, right away surprise surprise yeah and if i can kind of pivot off that point here because absolutely go ahead we're going to jump into our player highlights next and i think that my mvp at least for what we've seen so far here in the Swiss stage, is none other than 369 from that JD Gaming roster. And I I, I really got to give him a shout out here in this spot, because in that game three against the, LN, the LNG series, that last one they had to play to, to make it into their, their spot in the quarterfinals, he was a huge factor for why they won. Where you you watch, and I think that the 19-minute dragon fight here is the, is the one that stood out to me the most when I was watching that series, where... There's a ward kind of towards the the blue buff area that outcropping into the jungle of the red side of the map, and there's a ward there. 369 identifies this ward. He's Aatrox. He's going to TP on that ward. But what I'm seeing here, he's TPing. His entire team is on the other side of the river, and here comes the enemy team. Here comes LNG piling up all five players on this one teleport. He gets CC'd comboed for four seconds straight, and then what happens? This is 369 here. He survives all four seconds, presses his Gore Drinker button, the magic button on Aatrox, regains his full health bar, and then the team wins the fight because his team still has abilities, LNG does not. Like, what a giga chat here. We talk about Adam, but 369, huge shoutouts to him. And then, you know, he solo wins another fight at 26 minutes, just a few minutes later. He's under LNG's inhib turret. His team is dying. He wins the fight again on Aatrox. And you look at the player cam at the bottom, zero reaction for this guy. Stone-faced killer, giga chat wins the game makes it to quarters what a guy yeah i mean and it's it's, it's not surprising at all you know when 369 is just able to to do so well i'm gonna offer my uh one of my mvp choices as well and i'm only gonna knock it down a seed in the lpl because bin has been performing super super well as well in addition you know to all of the success the lpl teams have been finding in uh, both of blg's wins bin had come up with some absolutely huge moments in their comeback win against kt right as uh, uh the kt baron power play ended 30 minutes into the game at a 4100 gold baron power play they're pushing bot and aiming is uh right outside the bot lane inner tower within with an auto attack range of it basically not too much farther than that and bin just is able to see the angle of flash wing onto him as Cassante knocks him back in towards blg rel uh played by on that game i believe let me double check Yes, it was on on the rel that game. Uh, changed the CC with him on Cassante. Aiming loses the GA and dies as KT is kind of forced to leave uh, the fight. Cuz did jump into that play to help, uh, but it, it was too late. Aiming was already bursted out and dead. And it wasn't even like Aiming was out of position at all in that play. If you look at the fight again, again, like Aiming was in like auto attack range of the the tower of uh, bot lane, and it, he is he was playing Kaisa, so you know like a little bit of a shorter range AD carry, right? So maybe not you know as uh, far back as you would like to be in that scenario but a super clean engage from Ben to notice that angle at that moment of the game to SKT like I said just coming off of a huge Baron power play they are in full control of the game at that point and that is what it enables BLG to start you know kind of starting to find some momentum back into that game 
And then even in the fights after it, where Bin wasn't like the main protagonist in those fights, he did the job that he needed to do in those fights and played his role super well coming off of that huge play in the bot lane. He just seems to know exactly what to do in games like that. And that was a huge win for BLG to be able to find that win early against KT because that was day one. So them starting on 0-1, you know, obviously, you know, not the worst thing in the world considering the skill of that team, right? Like you would expect them to bounce back regardless. But the fact that they were able to come back in a game like that with the hands of Ben, you know, starting it off was very massive for them just to give them, you know, more positive momentum, start on the right foot and kind of get that adrenaline going in that sort of a comeback win and set you up good for the rest of the tournament. And then there was the game against Fnatic that BLG played on day four, where there was a, a fight breaking down near the uh, bot near the bot lane around the dragon pit where uh, BLG start the dragon they take the dragon Trimby flash ins on the Alistar flash combos in as BLG is forced to kite back now the key thing in this fight was that Oscar in and on Poppy ulted Bin and on away from that fight uh, as the Poppy so they're out of the fight for the first maybe like five, definitely five seconds, probably even 10 seconds of the fight as they start to come back in. Fnatic really try hard to dive on to uh, Yagao and Elk in the fight, but they're not able to find the kills. It was a good ult uh, by Elk in addition to the buster shot with the rocket jump on Tristana to create a ton of space and force the diving Fnatic members back. And then Bin comes in from the side, rejoining the fight. On misses the initial re-engage, but Bin finds a four four-man counter-strike leap strike into the heart of Fnatic. They completely get wiped out of the fight. BLG go to take Baron, and that's what you know, was the final nail on the coffin in that game for Fnatic. BLG was up 2k gold at the 20-minute mark just a bit before that, so they did have, you know, a solid early game. Um, there were some strong plays uh, in the early game for uh, both sides, to be fair, to find, you know, some slight advantages, but it was BLG who were able to find control, and then that fight is what completely blew it out of, pro out of proportions for Fnatic. The one especially heartbreaking thing in that fight was that Noah was just in such a rough spot, he didn't really have anywhere to go based off of where he was, but he ended up flashing backwards into that Bin leap strike counter strike, and it was completely over from then on out. Bin has had so many strong performances like that, he just always seems to come up clutch in those big moments. Definitely right up there with 369 as one of the best top laners in the world even going back to his days on Sooning when they, they were you know kind of taking the the league by storm and grabbing a lot of fans as Sooning in the 2020 world championships making it to the finals against DK but losing super strong showing from Bin as well shout out uh, to both of those Chinese top laners. Steve, you got me shaking my head here, man, because he was going to be my second MVP, and you have the exact two fights that I was going to discuss, so it's, great minds think alike. Well, I mean, like, it, it, you don't have to be a genius to tell, you know, what's going on there. I mean, Bin was absolutely smurfing in those plays specifically. Yeah, whoever said top is a dead roll, they just need to look at these two guys. 369 yeah. and Bin, they've both proven why they're unequivocally the top two top laners in this tournament. And I mean, the performance just speaks for itself. It is glorious League of Legends. Yep, and I will give a quick shout out uh, to Delight as well as a secondary MVP. He's had some nuts plays, uh, but if you weren't banning Rakan against this guy already, Ready. now you definitely have to just so many clutch engages such a good job knowing when to go in when to bow out and just super clean stuff from him overall but especially on the recon he's been phenomenal so far 
Well, what a coincidence. Again, this time we're not aligned on the MVP part because I'm going to pivot off of that. My LVP here, I'm going to take a bit of a unconventional approach, shall we say, and Delight does play a big factor here. My LVP for this week, or not week, but this stage, is going to be Dylan Falco, the head coach of G2 and anyone else who is hey, involved yo, in G2's drafting on, process. Man. So the players, the staff, everybody, you guys are all the <laughs> LVP, okay? Like, and my highlight here, it's going to be that game two versus Gen G. This is something that in our in our chats here at NRE, I've been waffling on about this this draft because it is getting on my nerves. Like, yes, I will acknowledge Dylan Falco a great coach. I think that as a G2 fan, I'm glad to have him. So no malice here. I will say that, but I got to hold this guy accountable. So let's walk this through. Number one, G2 walks in here. They've got a weird Maokai priority for the whole second half of the year. And once again, they pick it here. Obviously a good champion. I don't think it, might, it was necessarily first pick worthy though. Then, Genji gets the best bot combo at the tournament, arguably, in the Zyra Khan. G2 literally just got slapped by it, and we're giving it to them again. So, obviously, Genji is up to a great start, and G2, I think, is losing here. Now, they have an opportunity. Kaisa is up. That is probably the only AD carry right now in the meta that has held a candle to the Zaya pick. So, they could have picked the Kaisa and started drafting around that. But no, we're going full mental here. We're going to draft Drake. We're going to draft Lucian, and we're going to draft Nautilus. So what is this here? This is, in my opinion, G2's deadly Draven Nautilus combo. But first, we're going to cut Hansama's hands off. We're going to have him not have hands in this game because we're putting him on a carry that has been nerfed and has not been picked at all for the past 10 patches. Off to a, a roaring, terrible start here. We're going now into the second phase. And G2, again, has an opportunity. They can salvage this draft if they just put caps on Tristana and run a dual AD carry comp. Or maybe put Lucian in the mid lane and draw that Kai'Sa that, that they still have open at this point. But, you know, they just got slapped with caps on Tristana, so maybe not an option. And instead, what do they do? They lock in Talia this time, which Caps hasn't played since the spring regular season, and the only game he played on it, he lost. So what are we doing here? We have no damage on this team at this point. We're full hands on deck. We're going to dive bot. We're going to invest everything into Hansama getting fed early on because that Lucian is going to do nothing otherwise. We need Maokai down there. We need Talia Roams down there. Otherwise, we're going to lose. And who's the opponent on the other side? Gen G. The team that has all year been playing very consistent League of Legends. They build steady CS leads. They slowly choke out the opponent. They don't play very, very fancy, very volatile. And we're doing something volatile into that. Like, you know, G2 is going to thrive in wacky combos and throw their opponents for a loop. But this is not the team to do it against. G2's draft is just an extremely tame version of this, I think. They're picking neutered champions. Like, what are they hoping to do? I saw that draft. We're losing 0-2. Yeah, and I mean, like, I, I agree with you for the most part on it, too. Like, obviously, you look at it, and it's like, Cassante, Maokai, Nautilus, those are, you know, relatively just strong picks. You know, that they're, they're, they're relatively common. Nautilus, maybe not quite as much, but Cassante, Maokai especially. The, the Kaisa was definitely the biggest surprise here because it wasn't pick or banned either right like they, they had plenty of opportunities to try and look at it. i think they did end up locking in the lucian early but yeah like maybe you could flex lucian somewhere else if you really wanted to you know um but the the, the comp is just so, such low damage uh with you know the lucian and the talia the one thing i will say about the talia is that it's a pick where like if you were if you're g2 and you're just looking at genji's team when they ended up picking the talia with the last pick of the draft i believe or one of their last picks of the draft was that you know, Genji does have a lot 
of dashes on it, right? So, like, in, in theory, G2's probably just thinking, oh my goodness, like, you know, like, you know, I guess Talia's, Talia's good here, right? You know, like, they have a lot of dashes, you know, we can maybe, you know, just hope to maybe, like, try to nullify some of their main engage spots, you know, with the Talia and try to force them into some awkward ones, and then maybe we can, you know, continue to disengage with Maokai and then try to play on our own terms, but that's just, like, an isolation thing where, like, you look in the context of their draft as a whole and the Talia doesn't make any sort of sense with the rest of their team except maybe for the Maokai, but it's like, yeah, just not uh, a strong and coherent draft overall, lacking damage, you know, with just Lucian, like, not in the meta at all, really, anymore at this point, and yeah, Talia's just kind of like, you know, a utility, I guess, more so poke champion, you know, like, you're not going to be finding a ton of consistency out of her, so yeah, just uh, not not the, the best G2 draft uh, we've seen, pretty pretty fair to say. I'm upset, man, like, that, 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 not, that shouldn't have happened, man, like, come on. You're upset, and 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 you're a G two fan, right? So like, you're 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 gonna be upset, but it's okay. You get you drew NRG, uh, in in the two one match, so you're gonna be just fine, okay? I swear, if we lose to NRG, I will be you're mauled. Gonna, you're and... gonna be fine, okay? Don't worry about it. And then as for uh, my LVP, I did uh, end up going with a player, um, and it's a player that I have a lot to say on and yet not a lot to say on at the same time um and as uh, a c9 fan there probably is some level of of harshness and bias built into this into this pick uh but it is mns because when mns came in to replace diplex in the spring split going all the way back that far mns did look relatively strong like he had uh he had a, a pretty big blow-up game, I believe, early on into uh, the spring split when he was joining in, but he played, you know, good League of Legends. The The big difference between what he does good and what Diplex was doing was that MNS was supposed to come in and be a strong presence in the mid lane during the actual laning phase of the game, you know, and be able to, you know, create, create advantages, and that's how he would be able to help the team win and then once the lane phase is dissolved. Whereas Diplex, he was not being able to perform strongly in the lanes, he was pretty consistently getting beaten, and, you know, to give him, you know, a little bit of, of props, he did, you know, find some points throughout the game to be useful, um, but he was such uh, a gaping hole in, in the actual lane phase of the game that C9 felt, you know, the need to go in for MNS and see what they had there with this guy who, he's been kind of bounced around, he has a toxic, you know, uh, reputation around him, it took, like, uh, an interview uh, with Blabber for him to even get onto the team because they're, according to what uh, C9 came out with in spring, I remember their first interview they had with him with, like, the translator and the representative there or whatever for MNS, it didn't go well and like they were trying to be like you know play it very safe and they were kind of you know quiet on stuff then mns tried to dm blabber like hey like can i actually just like try to talk to you like like straight up like on my own as best as i can and they you know they had a conversation and that's what convinced blabber to tell jack like hey like we can bring this guy on and then it worked out in spring c9 you know one spring looked very dominant and then as summer split went on uh his his form uh, definitely dropped the teams did as a whole as well it wasn't just MNS, um, but a lot of it was uh, going, looking at him in his in his lane, in his games, and he just completely devolved, and there was not a ton of bright spots going on into the back end of summer and going into playoffs. Um, the, the play was not good, it was inconsistent, uh, uh, looked like a shadow of himself from how hot he came on during spring. And in the world's games he's played so far, I mean, he's been 
pretty invisible. He played Cassante the first game, I believe it was into Syndra, and, you know, he did a, he did a fine job kind of just, like, you know, neutralizing the lane, and, you know, he didn't find an advantage, a uh, big advantage necessarily, but Siang was able to win that game against, uh, I believe it was Mad, and, you know, he, he did basically nothing throughout the game, but, like, it was kind of just fine, because the rest of C9 was able to find advantages, um, and then he played uh, a game of Syndra against uh, T1, and that did not go well. Um, I forget what he played against uh, LNG, and, you know, I don't need to remember what he played against LNG, because even though C9 did have, uh, or maybe, maybe he played Syndra against uh, LNG, and I forget what he played against T1. I think it was that, because the T1 game was just such a blowout, I, I barely took any, like, real notes on it because I was just too sad for me to watch. I think he played Syndra against LNG and he did absolutely nothing on Syndra that game. Uh, and it's just it's just been that way for MNS for so long now. Um, they they brought him in to to be like I said a lane dominant person. He's not you know winning his lanes and the the team play outside of that has not been consistent either. He's been just like I said before, a shadow of what he came in for. And I guess at that point, kind of like what I was saying with uh, the, the TL versus T1 game, where that, that like game was definitely an outlier kind of performance for TL, the fact that it was so close. Maybe that was kind of the story for MNS now. Maybe his initial hot start was the outlier, and this is kind of just the player that he actually is. He's not ever going to live up to the hype that was coming in and surrounding him uh, when he was first brought in for spring. And that's pretty disappointing, because I had high hopes for C9, uh, they have a winnable series against Fnatic, uh, but Humanoid's a very good mid laner, um, and he works well with Razork, so that, that's definitely going to be uh, the lane to watch uh, for that series as we get into that eventually. Now, uh, and yeah, very disappointed in MNS. Yeah, and I think I'll call back to what you said in our previous episode, where coming into this tournament, you know, he had that controversy going on in solo queue. He had a a lackluster performance in the latter half of the the summer split. So you mentioned that he's at this tournament. He needs to prove himself as a guy that deserves this spot, or otherwise he's at risk of not playing for C9 again next season. And kind of to way the way he's been playing so far. I'm not fully confident that spot's going to be his, and he really needs to step it up for this series against Fnatic, because that might be their last one, or the one after that might be their last one. Like, they're on the brink here, he needs to step it up. Yeah, and, you know, like, I, I said it in the, in the last podcast episode, too, like, he is under contract until 2025, but, like, you know, that the, the, the contracts don't mean a lot. Like, he, he, he can probably easily get bought out. And, and just not have a, a job anymore after this year. I don't, I don't think he goes anywhere else, you know, just even even with his play, like in having the, the recent uh, controversy with Spearshot and Solo Q, just in, in, in like compounding on his previous, you know, allegations, you know, of, of being toxic and like in Ting stage games and stuff like it, it, it's, it's just not there anymore. And I think even if, you know, C9 does, you know, find their way into a 2-2 matchup and play a decent 2-2 matchup, I still wouldn't just be surprised if he's gone because like, I just don't think it's worth it. You know, I don't, I don't think C9 needs a roller coaster like that, you know, on the team, they just need, you know, good players who are just like decent human beings. And it's not hard to find like, you know, a decent human being who can play mid lane well at a professional level i don't think you know so you don't you won't have to waste a, a spot i believe he's an import as well so you don't have to waste the import spot on him as well just 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 move on you know c9 jojo pune gonna be coming in we're gonna bring in carrier from t1 and c9's gonna win worlds next year let's go now with that being said 
because you know a, a bit of a sour spot i'd say on both our fronts with the g2 on my side and the c9 on steve's side let's bring it back around and start talking about some good stuff in the best game of this swiss stage so far and for me, I'm going to turn it around for G2 as well, because for me, the most entertaining game, at least, was that game against Weibo, the one that they needed to get that 2-0 and, and play against Gen G. I, I need to give huge credit to G2 for this nasty draft that completely outshines what they did against Gen G. Like, they have the insane Wombo combo with the Yone in the top lane, Rel in the jungle, Oriana mid lane, Rakan support. And then they have Zaya in the AD carry spot, complements really well with Rakan, and then it's just one of the strongest ADCs in the game. So, you know, what happens next only would have really been possible because of this draft. So huge credit there. Now, I'm not going to call the game clean by any means, because both teams here did do dumb stuff. You know, you got the Shy dying twice in a row for no reason, seemingly. But boy, oh boy, was this game a banger. Kind of starts off with G2 playing better in the early to mid game, I'd say, overall, where, you know, they're slowly building up leads. They have a bit of a gold lead going on, but... I think really sad to see that Hans Sama was, you know, I mentioned him last episode that he's sort of the weak link, not necessarily a weak player, but probably the weakest link. And it, he kind of shows it here. He disrespects Weibo's massive engage potential themselves and not once, but twice gets caught and only burns both his ult and all of his available summoners after the CAC has landed and the damage landed. So despite using all that, he dies anyway. And now he's without those for the next couple of fights. So, you know, kind of sad there. And then G2 does exactly what they did the day before. They're thro they're throwing these these barren plays. They're giving all our, us G2 fans heart attacks for no reason. They give Weibo a lead. They build that up to almost 9,000 gold. They get four dra dragons to zero, get the mountain soul, and land a couple barons. At this point, the game's looking completely doomed. But finally, that draft that I mentioned. G2 manages to find an angle in the mid lane. Huge fight. And then they have not just that one, not just three, but five separate massive fights that were just so glorious for me to watch as a G2 fan. In that final fight especially, Hansama goes a little bit too aggressive at the start, loses his GA. But no problem, G2's here. He perfect times his Zaya ultimate to reposition. BB uses a nasty Yone Q3 to deny Weiwei's attempt to catch Hans as he comes out of that ult. And then Hans flashes Xiaohu's Azure ult. And it's just clean up from there. They win the game. Combine all that with the Caps and BB attempted a backdoor earlier. And even Inhib respawning the instant after they finish off the Nexus. We're throwing it back to Deft's uh, quarterfinal game there where he lost. G2 might have lost here if that happened. But, you know, right at the end there, I didn't believe it. But they get that fight. They destroy the Nexus. Such a good game to watch. Yeah, definitely very thrilling. And obviously, you know, G2 has had uh, two games like that. The one with uh, DK and the one against Weibo, where very back and forth, uh, throwing at Baron, but then being able to find the fights that they need to uh, in order to eventually win both games, go 2-0, uh, losing their their uh, series against... Uh, who do they play? I forget. Who did G2 play? Genji. Genji. But I, I think at this point, that's the formula. Like, they got to throw at Baron because they didn't do that against Genji, and then they lost. Yeah, maybe... Maybe that's it, man. I don't know, but uh, yeah, that that's just how it works, I guess, for G two. They they they're obviously a team that is uh, dominant in their region. 
they they had the early game starts well against DK and Weibo, got a little bit shaky, but able to find it out even though they did end up getting handled uh, handled by Gen G. And that's kind of what I thought was going to go into that series just to get a little bit of a sidetrack. Like I was expecting it to be like somewhat close, but I thought, you know, if, if G2 is not going to be able to clean up that kind of stuff, Gen G is going to be the type of team that'll have their way with them, just, you know, being a lot better. And they were so. That's how that one ended up going. Oh, yeah. And then as for me, my favorite game so far was uh, BLG versus KT on day one. I kind of talked about this game a little bit with Bin, uh, picking him as my MVP. Um, and it was a very intense game. Uh, KT found, you know, some some early leads. They were consistently up uh, about one and a half gold or one and a half thousand gold, excuse me, at the 14 minute mark as well as at the 20-minute mark. Aiming was doing very, very well in the early game. He was 1.2k gold uh, of that 1,500 gold lead at the 14-minute mark. And it, it just ended up being uh, a very tight and crazy game, obviously, uh, with the, the huge Baron power play immediately being turned uh, by Bin in that bot lane. Uh, and then how the rest of that game ended was with Keen actually ended up getting caught in, in two separate fights back to back, uh, both in the mid lane and in slightly different spots, um, that it kind of just put KT, you know, in, in a bit of an uncomfortable situation because BLG were being the proactive ones. Finding out Keen was able to live uh, long enough on the Aatrox, I believe it was, to you know survive and let you know KT get into position to try and fight. But aiming was not able to get into ideal position in either one of those last two fights on the Kaisa, and it was just able for you know the CC of guys like and on uh, to be able to really kind of put KT in those not ideal spots, capitalize on when aiming can't quite be in the best position, and then you just add on top of it beautiful team fighting from Elk especially, um, and BLG were able to find their way back into the game, um, especially even in that last, uh, that team fight, uh, Elk was just free hitting uh, at, the, at the top inhibitor fight where On flies in onto Keen uh, and the Hens, and the aiming's flash got forced as a result of that fight, uh, or then engaged by On, so he's kind of out of the play early on. Bin lands uh, another huge three-man uh, Cassante Q flip um, to get Keen and aiming very low uh, with some, you know, additional damage coming in from the rest of the team and they just were able to end super quickly with those uh, convincing fights once they were able to find their footing back in the game you know kt spent like you know 30 35 minutes of that game the first 35 minutes you know building up a lead you know kind of slowly asserting their play and then once uh bin found that pick in the final you know maybe 15 minutes of that game was all it took for blg to turn it around throw it on its head and steal that game against kt so that was super crazy uh, going back and forth it was super scrappy aiming was so good for the game until like i said those last couple fights he just couldn't quite find the ideal spots to go into uh and that was more so just great great play by blg again forcing onto keen getting kt into spots where they had to react quickly um and the one notable thing i saw is that bdd in that game felt pretty invisible to me specifically so that was like the one kind of surprise where it's like you know against you know in such a long crazy game with so much fighting going on and obviously a big throw um, you know, you'd think that everyone would kind of had their moment in the game. BDD never really got to have his moment. He did not have a lot of impact. Um, so that could also, you know, kind of play into that final reason of, you know, along with BLG playing so well, uh, KT did not really have a standout performance from BDD when he's usually been a pretty reliable guy for them overall. Yeah, and I mean, from the perspective of clean gameplay, I think it's pretty much expected it'll be an Eastern versus Eastern team. And I would fully agree that that game was huge hype. The only maybe 
counterpoint for me would have been the JDG LNG series in terms of clean gameplay, but very close between those two for me, so I think that's a good pick. Yeah, and, and like you said, no, there, there's definitely plenty of games that we can choose from, but you know, I, either one of those G2 games would have been great picks. Uh, there's been some games recently as well that have been very, uh, very, very good, but just so happens, you know, that uh, you know, there's a lot to choose from, and a couple of these games are more some of the earlier ones, but not to say that the recent days of the tournament have been bad at all. It's been very, very, very exciting stuff. Yeah, but definitely not clean gameplay from G2. I'm not going to make that claim. Yeah, that, that you know... Not, not every game is going to be clean, but a lot of bangers, though. Especially thank you to G2, because those, games are, those games are bangers, even if, you know, it involves, you know, 20-minute Baron throws and then, you know, scrambling around for, like, another 25 minutes trying to find your way back in. That's how the bangers are born. But, you know, we kind of covered it all. I, I'd say pretty good so far, and we'll have more, of course, in the upcoming episode for the remainder of Swiss Stage, but I think let's let's do a quick little preview of what's coming up next, and, and perhaps a little bit of predictions here, some small notes, but you'll have to go to our Twitter account, and we'll shout that out at the end to, to see the bigger picture here. So, Steve, what do you have as your picks for the upcoming games? Yeah, so we got uh, two games on Thursday and Friday upcoming, the 26th and the 27th, and then there will be three uh, overall on the 28th, but there will only be two that we know about right now. Uh, so breaking down, uh, the first game will be Cloud9 versus Fnatic. Uh, completely not biased. I got Cloud9 winning 2-1. to one. Um, That's the unbiased part is that I, do, I am giving Fnatic a game. Um, it should be, you know, a fun series, like, in all seriousness. I don't think that this is a, a lopsided matchup in either way. I mentioned before, I think, uh, you know, mid lane, there's going to be a strong advantage with Humanoid uh, against MNS, especially uh, with Razork. Um, they, they do, you know, tend to work well together, whereas I do think C9 does have an advantage in the bot lane with Berserker and Zven. So the, the carry matchups will be pretty even, and I don't think, you know, there's too big a gaps in top or jungle at all to make it, like, a, a big swing one way or the other i had the c9 winning 2-1 and then for me i'm gonna be a little spicy here you know i'm the eu guy so i'm obviously gonna go for fanatic as much as you might not want to hear that but i'm gonna go even crazier and say that it'll be 2-0 for fanatic and i have no reason for that apart from i need eu to do this because mad disappointed us they lost to na twice not once I need Fnatic to do this, 2-0. Yeah, and then NRG is going to be beating G2 on Saturday, so you really are counting on Fnatic to beat C9 here, or G2 is going to be in a difficult No, 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 don't later. do it. Don't do that. Don't do that to me. Do not do that to <laughs> me. But the next game, <laughs> speaking of Mad Lions, it's going to be a 2-0 for Weibo, because Mad sucks. We don't own them. We don't want them. It's 2-0 for Weibo. Yep. I don't, I don't see it. Uh, I mean, I guess I shouldn't say that. I can see a world where Mad Lions takes a game because both of these teams are just so crazy. But I mean, yeah, it should be a two over way. But they're like on on both of these teams, like average days, which you're probably not necessarily gonna get. Uh, but yeah, on you know an average day for Waybo, an average day for Mad Lions, it's gonna be a two zero. So I think that's that's a a pretty safe pick there for Waybo. Going into uh, Friday, then the first game or the first series rather being D plus Kia versus Gam uh, again. 
big props to Gam uh, for not uh, being uh, bombed out 0-2. They took down Team Liquid. That's nothing to scoff at. Uh, but as long as D plus Kia don't pull off that same kind of underestimation of Gam, it should be a 2-0. I don't think there really needs to be a ton of uh, in-depth analysis there. DK have the better players. They have the better team. Uh, it's probably going to be just that simple, just like we saw with them versus BDS. Yeah, I think I agree where really all it depends on Gam, I don't think is in too much control here. It'll pretty much be dependent on Damwon just showing up on the day. And if they do, it should be a 2-0, I agree. Yep. And then the next series will be uh, KT Rolster versus LNG right after that. And that is definitely, in my opinion, at the very least, the, the hypest matchup we have uh, of these uh, three days back to back to back that we know about at least. Um, LNG is, uh, as I mentioned before, definitely a dark horse team to win it all. And I'd say KT is kind of as well. Um, I wouldn't put them better than LNG, uh, but they're, they're right there. KT's looked pretty well. They had that... Uh, early throw against BLG on day one, but they've made their way to the 2-1 part, winning their next two games. I think LNG are just probably too good, though. I mean, this is definitely one that can go either way. I'd be surprised if it was a 2-0, but if it would be a 2-0, I would lean towards LNG winning 2-0, but I'm going to go LNG 2-1. I, like I like the team better. I think they've played against the best team in the tournament. Uh, very, very good for multiple series uh, across uh, their regular season and now. Obviously, that doesn't necessarily mean much directly into KT, but if they can play super tight series, against JDG, I'd like to think they can play uh, a clean series against KT and beat them. Yeah, and I'm I'm going to agree with you, but I'm going to go even a little further where I do think it will be a 2-0 for LNG. And, you know, in, in our previous episode, I kind of hyped up KT coming into the tournament. I wanted to believe that they were going to show more than they were able to domestically, where they obviously let their fans down and, and ended up losing and, and coming in only as the third seed, whereas they finished regular season first. And I think that Korea as a whole, as a region even, we haven't seen Genji fully tested yet, but the rest of Korea hasn't really been living up to my expectations. I think that given how strong LNG looked in that series against JDG, for me, it should be a 2-0 for them. And then this takes us to our final 2-2-1 series on Saturday. As I teased at before, it, the first one will be NRG versus G2 Esports. And yeah, it should be G2O. Um, G2O, G2O, G2O. Like, like, like part of me, again, like wants to give NRG a game just because they, they, they have been such... Uh, like an underdog story and them coming up from only finishing nine and nine in the LCS summer to beating C9 like no one expected them to to do that and then you know yes they did have an easy draw to get to 2-1 but once you're here anything can happen I don't think that's you know just cause enough to predict them to win the series <sighs> Uh, I, I don't know, like, like I, I'm, I'm usually the type of person that, like, you know, like, I, I'm, I'm kind of hedgy on, on my stuff, like, my predictions, so I tend to, like, if I feel like a team is close enough, I'll give them a game, but I'm, I'm, I'm gonna lean on the side of G2 for this one, even though they, like I said, have had my gripes with G2's gameplay, they've looked, you know, plenty shaky at points, I'm gonna give them the 2 2 Yeah, and I think that if I'm setting aside my bias, I think that you're right, that energy is kind of the the team that would they they tend to at least to perform better against teams they shouldn't be beating so maybe they pull it off but in terms of like a 2-1 but no commentary just g2o if it doesn't happen i'll be sad let's put it there yeah it's like you can't you know actually like 
comfortably predict an NRG win because you know like G2 is better. Like there's been some games like that throughout Worlds where it's like, man, like, you know what? Like there is a world where this team can win, but it's just not realistic enough that you can ever actually predict it, you know? And and, and best of best of series, it's like, yeah, you know, maybe they can find a game and that's like you kind of giving them that benefit of the doubt. Like there is a world where this can happen, but that's luckily what the point of a series is is that generally speaking the better team will find their way to win and i think that's definitely going to be g2 like i said i'll give them the 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 benefit of the doubt instead of nrg i'll give them the 2-0 win then our final series on that day wrapping up the first half of i guess of this final swiss stage will be that blg versus t1 matchup and i think similar to what you were saying about lng kt this one also i think should be close on paper where it's your Korea second seed versus your China second seed. So theoretically on paper, both very strong teams. But given kind of what I've been saying about Korea letting me down, if you've been keeping track, I've had two O's everywhere, and I'm going to put another two O here in favor of BLG. So kind of sad, but it is what it is. Wow. I mean, I, I don't know what to think for this series, honestly. Like, um, I'm surprised at how quickly you put a 2-0 on it. Also, I just realized, I think in BLG's logo in the B, I think they have like a thumbs up in there. Like, I, I just realized that now. I'm so sorry for going completely off topic, but I think that's I think that's what I'm seeing. So that, that's kind of cool. I don't know like what the significance it's of that is. It's another blue logo, man. It's another blue logo. And they, they got that little thing in there. So that's cool. Sorry, I just, I just noticed that. But, um... I, I'm I'm really stumped on this one. Like like this one should be pretty close. I think like as, as much as I know people, you know, kind of or certain people probably at the very least don't really you know like T1 as much and are not you know kind of leaning their way as much as uh, they once were when they were so dominant. I mean they're they're they're, they're still a strong team. Like they got uh, you know they obviously have Faker. Guma Yushi is, is phenomenal. Uh, owner has his moments in the jungle as does Karen. Area, but you, you you look at BLG and it's like yeah, yeah, Gao is there in the mid lane. He's so strong. Bin is you know as we were talked about before in the MVPs like he's up there with three six nine. The thing that probably gives me the most hesitation is Elk. Like Elk is very good, but I don't know if he can. I don't know how much uh, or how close the matchup is between him and An versus Guma and Carriers because I, I I never got to really watch a ton of either one of those regions. Mm. This is tough. At least for me, this is tough, right? Like, maybe I'm overthinking it. Uh, you were obviously very decisive on it. I'm going to go... It's, it's obviously going to be a 2-1 based off of how much deliberation I'm doing. Oof. I mean, I kind of want to just flip a coin, but I'm going to I'm gonna give it to BLG, I guess. I know that, you know, how Worlds usually seems to go is that the LPL teams are obviously a bit more uh, volatile. We've seen them kind of bomb out a little bit more than the than the Korean teams have. But so, something's just calling to me about Billy Billy. Maybe it's Bin, because I am a Bin stan. Um, no, you know what? I'm switching it. Two, 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 one to T1. I think that if anything's gonna happen, it's that I'm I'm gonna place my money on Faker and Guma uh, over Yagao and Elk. I think, and An is a, a good support. He has grown a lot from when he was starting out on Sooning. But I'm just gonna give uh, the overall team edge, I think, to T1, and I'm just I'm just gonna place my money on them. Um, yeah, I'm 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 gonna lock that in before I change my mind. I'm gonna go. 2-1 for T1. 
and it's probably wrong, right? Because like I'm I'm a I'm a platinum nobody who hasn't played league in forever. But that's what I'm thinking. I'm just I'm just gonna place my money on T1 here. I'm glad you kind of walked us through your thought process there, because that was kind of fun to listen to. But but I I think it is worth saying though that you know I'm I'm a little decisive in terms of my my prediction here, but. It is a very close matchup to their credit. These are both very good teams, and it'll be a fun one to watch at the very least. I can say that much. And then kind of my final shout out here, because, you know, we're, we're venturing into the realm of speculation at this point. But I think the one call out I want to make at this point is that regardless of who wins between Fnatic and C9, we're going to see two Western teams in that final fight for uh, for a spot in, in the quarterfinals. So if the ref decides to be a homie here and he draws either Fnatic or C9 to play against the loser of Energy versus G2, then we get two Western teams in the quarterfinals, which would be a total bang. I just got to throw that out there. Yeah, yeah. No one. No, I'm sure very few people had uh, would have had two Western teams going through. G2 is definitely like the surefire one, where it's like, yeah, like you can feel comfortable dropping like maybe Weibo or uh, D plus. I believe they were the four seed out of Korea. I know you're probably comfortable dropping one of them for G2, but yeah, and 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 that's the beauty of the randomness. You know, it's like you know you you get those those crazy matchups. Sometimes they're you know those days like day two where it's a lot of the inter uh, interregion matchups, same versus same. But then you have draws like this where it's like, hey. You know, if, if the randomness does work out that way, there could be two Western teams going through, and that's just the unpredictability of it. Whether you like it or not, that's up for a debate, but it does make it for, you know, at the very least, an interesting, uh, you know, format and how it breaks down into the draws and stuff like that. I don't necessarily like, again, the pure randomness of it. I think they might need to figure out, you know, some sort of, you know, way to limit the same regions playing the same regions as much as possible, but other than that i think that you know stuff like this is is part of the beauty of it rather than just having you know four groups of four and it's just those teams playing those teams and you can kind of for the most part you know get a feeling of who's going to make it out uh it's generally you know going to be the the eastern teams and then there's going to be maybe one surprise somewhere with this we might get two so we'll see yeah i mean at the end of the day say what you will about the integrity i think that we're here to watch because we're entertained by it and what is it if not entertaining to see some of these upsets happen yep that, 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 that that's perfectly fair and reasonable to say all right well i think that will about do it for us here today now you know the drill before we wrap things up thank you so much for staying till the end and supporting us as we continue this venture if you want to drop us a follow here on spotify we're going to have more episodes coming soon to cover the rest of worlds so definitely stay tuned for that and of course make sure to drop us a follow on twitter as well that is at no rivals underscore esports check us out we're going to have all our predictions coming up and thanks otherwise for watching stay tuned